Hi, welcome to The Lampstand. I'm Alex D. I'm a father, husband, and content creator and manager here at Family Rosary. Our goal with this podcast is to equip families, mothers, fathers, and their children with the light of Christ and to help them grow closer to God and closer to each other. I'm really excited to have you here today and join me for this conversation. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Lampstand. Today's conversation is with Dr. Greg Popcheck. Dr. Popcheck is the founder and executive director of the Pastoral Solutions Institute, which is dedicated to providing the resources Catholics need to live more faithful and abundant marriages, families, and personal lives. Together with his wife, Lisa, he is the author of over 20 books and programs integrating solid Catholic theology and counseling psychology. Dr. Greg and Lisa are the hosts of More to Life Radio and serve as co-executive directors of the Peyton Institute for Domestic Church Life. The Popchecks have their own domestic church with three children and two grandchildren on the way. Dr. Popcheck, thank you so much for being with us. We're so glad to have you on the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So I wanted to have you on uh, because I just think that we're talking about St. Joseph this month and and specifically how he's a role model for fathers. And I just think you have a lot of great experience to share with us. But if you could give the listeners a quick introduction on your main research and study and what you do, I think it'd really help for the the listeners who don't know you yet. Sure. Um, I'm the director of CatholicCounselors.com and the Pastoral Solutions Institute, which is a group pastoral counseling practice. We have about 20 therapists that work on our team. Uh, We do Catholic integrated counseling services uh, via telehealth um, for Catholics all over the world, and we have been since 1999. Uh, My wife and I together are the authors of over 20 books on marriage, parenting, sexuality, uh, psychological issues related to setting boundaries, uh, emotional health, uh, you know, finding peace, overcoming anxiety, those kinds of things. And uh, together, Lisa, my wife and I uh, host More to Life, which is a daily call-in radio program that airs on EWTN radio on th- about 300 terrestrial stations and then also on Sirius XM channel 130 every day from 10 to 11 Eastern AM. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. That is quite the, uh, quite the resume there. So great and so neat that you're, you're definitely doing the Catholic world of service with all of your wisdom here. So I want to talk to you about in your experience as a Catholic pastoral counselor, you know, what are some of the greatest challenges are facing families today and, and specifically fathers? In terms of families, there are so many different ways to approach family life. And I think that what's happened is that family life has become something that has to happen, you know, in the 15 minutes we're in the car together on the way to some activity. Parents, I think, live in fear that if we don't give our kids every experience, that they won't be prepared for anything. Their lives won't be enriched. Uh, and I think society really sends that message that if your kids aren't in 40,000 activities on Wednesdays, uh, they're going to get in trouble. Uh, they're, they're, they're going to fall behind. They're not going to go to a good college. They're going to have a miserable life. And so what ends up happening is that, that families are little more than uh, you know, groups of individuals that live under the same roof and share a data plan. 
there, there's really very no such thing as family relationship anymore, not not meaningfully. And so I think that the one of the challenges for Catholic families is to find ways to push back against that trend uh, and start to reclaim family time and start to see family life as the most important activity that we can schedule and plan around in the course of our week. In, in terms of fathers, you know, I think that, that men really are at a bit of a loss as to what's expected of them. You know, uh, we hear a lot about how, for example, uh, when children are raised in households where the fathers really are taking point in the spiritual formation of kids, in the tone of the family life, especially living out the faith at home, that kids are much more likely to own their faith as adults. But the reality is we don't raise our we don't raise boys as Catholics. We don't raise boys to be prayerful. We don't, we don't teach them to, to lead, to be spiritual leaders. They get married and all of a sudden our wives are expecting us to do that, but we've not been taught. We don't really know what it means to take point on facilitating a healthy and loving family life. We tend to think that that's mom's job. So, you know, you have some guys who really believe that it's not their job at all uh, and feel put upon by being asked to step into that role. You have some guys who are willing to do it, but who have never been taught. Uh, and so they, they feel awkward about it. You have some guys who genuinely want to do it, but because they've not been taught, they do it in a sort of a ham-fisted or heavy-handed way. So then, you know, it blows up in their face. So I think that, you know, th there's, there's a desire that men have to, to be godly, effective, loving fathers. But what that means, you know, for most men is anybody's guess. Yeah, I, and I think that I would be interested to hear your thoughts on, you know, some of the reasoning why you think that is. Because I remember going through college and and I started a rosary group when I was in college. And, and most of my usual goers were, were women. And I was like, you know, where are the guys? Like, I can't get guys mm -hmm. to, um, to come do this. I got some and, I, and they were great. And they were like, they were rock hard on rock solid on their faith. And they were just, you know, they were awesome, but I generally were, it was a lot easier to get women to come. So I'm just wondering, do you have any good way to, good way to wait, we Catholic women then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then, which was why I did it. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. I didn't meet my wife in college, but uh, anyway, I, I was just, really surprised as to why it's so much easier to get women to come as opposed to, to men, because I was like, well, I want to be here. I don't know why other guys don't. I'm just wondering if you have any you know, inkling, you know, on, on your side of doing pastoral counseling, why you think that might be? Well, you know, and I don't know what your experience was uh, growing up in your family, but, but generally speaking, you know, what we find is that because of the, the way we develop, right. Psychologically speaking, you know, the, the child, when, when a baby is born, that baby tends to think of itself and the mother as one body, the, the, that as far as the child's concerned, until about two and a half, three years old, the kid really thinks that mom is part of him, right? And so whatever mom does um, tends to predict or, or, or script private personal behavior. So if mom is faithful, Right. You know, I see faith as something that I do privately, something that's personal. If dad is faithful, dad's kind of first other, right? He's the first not me, right? And what dad does then represents the world to me. 
And so if dad is faithful, I see the faith as something that should be lived out loud and as something that should be lived out in the world. And so together, when you have a mom and a dad who are faithful, it's sort of like, you know, mom packs the kids spiritual lunch and the dad makes sure the kids take it to school. Right. Uh, and, and, and so in Catholicism in particular, it's interesting because you don't see this as much in evangelical circles, but in Catholicism in particular, you, you tend to see a lot of households where, you know, moms are very spiritual um, and moms are very prayerful. And so you, you end up with, you know, kids who are raised in households where they expect that spirituality and faith is a personal and private thing, but they don't tend to see dads being as engaged. And so they don't see that as something that needs to be lived out in the world. They haven't had that model of it. And so for a lot of us, it feels weird. Uh, it feels strange to, to, to live our faith out loud. It doesn't feel like something that I'm comfortable with doing personally. And somehow for many people, it doesn't even feel like something Catholics should do, you know, uh, but that has more to do with the family culture than, than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can see that. I can see that. And just going back to my experience with it, like I, I couldn't really explain to you how my parents raised me other than it raised me in the faith. Other than I really think that if I had to put one like pin in it, it would be that they discovered their faith. They had faith their entire lives, but I think they really discovered their faith in raising children. And so they didn't approach teaching us as like, this is what you do. They approached it, both of them as like, well, let's discover this together. Wow. Well, and okay, and, and that's and that that actually brings up a really important point. All right, and and you know, I did a book several years ago called "The Beatitudes: Eight Ways to Be an Awesome Dad." And, and in the book, what I do is I, I look at the Beatitudes as a, a blueprint for becoming a father after the Heavenly Father's own heart. Right? Uh, Pope Francis said that the Beatitudes are a blueprint for Christian living, and it occurred to me that when Jesus gave us the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, he was revealing a little bit about the Father's heart. And so my question was, you know, how could dads use the Beatitudes as a blueprint for Christian fatherhood? And the first Beatitude, of course, is blessed are the poor in spirit. And I think that's the key to everything because, you know, I started out by saying that dads don't know what we're doing. Well, blessed are the poor in spirit challenges us to lean into that fact that we don't understand anything, that we don't know anything, we, that I, I, I am poor in spirit. I don't know what I'm doing as a, as a father. And that's okay. As you said, we're discovering it together, right? We're discovering God together. We're discovering how to be a family together. Um, we're discovering how to take care of each other together. And as a dad, it's not my job to know everything. It's not my job to suddenly, because I, I had a guy uh, come up to me after a men's conference once uh, who said, uh, you know, I know I'm supposed to be the head of my family, but but like, what does that mean? How am I supposed to know what the right thing to do is? And and you know, my answer was, well, ask your wife and kids what they need, right? I mean, you start start there. You know, it's not it's not you're gonna it's not that you have to come to the meeting with the agenda all laid out and a plan for you know ten point plan for how you're gonna fulfill it. It's you know, tell me, and like, wife, kids, I don't know. I don't know what's gonna make you happy. What's gonna make you feel fulfilled? What's gonna make you experience God's love? Let's talk about that. And then let's figure out together how we're going to create that. You know, in a sense, it's it's the Christian father's job as, quote unquote, head of the household to, to be the facilitator of the process. You know, if, if, you, if you go to a corporate board meeting, right, the chairman of the board doesn't dictate the agenda and 
force everybody to say what he wants them to say and do what he wants them to do. The chairman of the board facilitates the conversation and the process by which decisions are made. That's what it means to be the head of the board, right? And to be the head of the household doesn't mean that you impose your will on the family or dictate the agenda. It's that you facilitate the process where everybody gets to say what they need and you work then together to, to, to arrive at those solutions and conclusions and uh, activities that help you be the family God's calling you to be. That's so kind of like simply mind-blowing. Like, it's simple. It, it's, yeah. like, you know, it's not... Well, that's the poverty of spirit, right? That's the bl- blessed are the dads who are poor in spirit. I, I can't be that facilitator if I don't first embrace the fact that I have no clue. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, and that is okay. You know, so I, I'm just going to give up you know, thinking that I have to have the answers and just say, you know what, I'm here to facilitate the process where we draw closer to God and each other. And we just talk it out and figure it out together. And, and as a new dad, like I can, I completely can understand that because so many days I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I am, I'm, I'm throwing my hands up to God and I'm, I'm just like, God, you know, I need you to direct me right now. And I need to, you know, reach out to the, I guess to the to the examples that he has put before me to to ask them too, especially going to to my wife and checking in there and being yeah. like, what do you need? And yeah. I think a lot of men forget that. And uh, and I think like that little act of going to my wife and just asking like, hey, like what what do you need from me? Has become like a just like a normal thing I need. I have built into my habit, and it's been so yeah. helpful. Because you're right. I don't like, and I, and not my wife doesn't expect me to know everything either. Like that, like I think of men, we always oh, have. And here's the like, our, our, our wife and our kids know we don't. Right. <laughs> right. And they, yeah. and they know, and they know when we're pretending. Right. Right. So, right. <laughs> so it's okay. It's okay to admit that, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that your point about going to your wife and I, you know, because again, a lot of times what I see is, you know, men, and I'm not knocking men's conferences, I think they're great, but I think a lot of men, they're, they're looking for another man to model their fatherhood after, right? So I'm going to go to this men's conference and see what the other guys are doing or what the other speakers tell me to do, or I'm going to try to find those those male mentors that can tell me how to be a father. But they don't know your wife and your kids, right? So, I mean, they can inspire me in some ways, but at the end of the day, I got to go back to my wife and kids and say, what do you need from me? You know, because I, I have to recognize that God gave me this wife and gave me these kids because he's hoping that by responding to their needs, I'm going to be forced to grow in ways that I wouldn't grow if they weren't in my life, right? So it's got to all start with me being humble enough to go to them and say, you know, what do you need from me? And how can I, how can I grow and respond to those needs in a way that will help you feel connected to me and connected to God? So, you know, so, so there's nothing wrong. In fact, there's a lot right going to your wife and saying, you know what? I, I don't know what to do here. Can we pray about it together? You know, let's let's ask God together what His will is, and and you just make Him part of that conversation. And it's yeah. a little scary and humbling, but it's it's a heck of a lot easier than trying to figure it out for yourself. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And and I think that's where in that you know in in marriage, like, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. You know, you're you're one. Your oneness, you're supposed to be coming together to figure out those those hard those questions together and figuring out the direction forward. I remember I, I went to my priest who married us, and this is just you know just we're having we had this big question we had to figure out how to do it, and I was like feeling all the pressure on me to do it, and he was like, well, what does your wife think? <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I should go. Oh, <laughs> <that's> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> we should do that, and I I think though so. 
Generally, I think today, though, I think a lot of men, you're right, getting back to one of your points, we feel displaced. We feel like we're not exactly sure, you know, what we're supposed to do, which, you know, as we just mentioned, is like, that's true. Like, and that's understandable. We're supposed to figure this out. I do wonder, though, just from a, a cultural perspective right now, it seems like there is a narrative or a drive to make fatherhood less important, to make it less of a, of a need for, for family life. And I'm wondering if like, you can dive a bit more down, down deep into talking about like the father as the first other, like what is the importance of the father role, the role of the father when it comes to, you know, faith specifically and, and being the head of the family and just the, I guess the greater influence on society, like what are we missing about fatherhood today? Well, here, here's, it's funny. Um, because the biological the biological research on fatherhood is fairly new, like within the last decade. You know, we we have a lot of research into, for example, how women's hormones change after the birth of a baby. Um, we we have a lot of research into uh, how the baby and the and the mother interacting with each other change each other's physiology. You know, so for example, when um, a mom holds a baby, you know, her body actually stimulates what's called the down regulation uh, in, in the brain. So for, if the baby is stressed, her physical presence actually triggers the, uh, the process in the, in the baby that, that calms them down, that teaches them to calm themselves down, right? Um, babies can't really calm themselves down. They don't have enough brain development to do that. But being in physical proximity to the mother triggers that part of the brain that can help them just slow down their heart rate, slow down their respiration, relax their muscles, lower their body temperature. All those things, it's just the body, the mom's body speaking to the baby's body. Research into the, the biology of fatherhood is relatively new, um, but, but it is there. And what's funny is that even as our society um, advances theories about gender and family that say that mothers and fathers are interchangeable. And, you know, even on birth certificates now in some states, it's parent one and parent two versus mother and father. Um, science is really showing that there, there are unique things that dads bring to the table, biologically and psychologically. It's not just social conditioning. So, for instance, where the mother's body tends to teach the baby to de-stress itself, to calm down from stress, um, in, in studies of, of mammals, the, pres the presence of a caring father teaches the child's body to, to be less aggressive. You know, so when, when, when the child feels threatened and wants to lash out, the presence of a nurturing male figure teaches that infant's brain to be less aggressive. And if you think about the, the effect of the epidemic of fatherlessness, and how the and, the and the impact on juvenile delinquency and, and juvenile crime, you, you can see, you know, how we are raising a generation of kids who don't know how to downregulate their aggression responses. Um, another example is that when when a, a caring father is present, uh, children develop better vocabularies because uh, moms tend to use more baby talk with kids, which is which is good for the relationship. It also helps to uh, break down words into smaller. Um, you know, components, but dads tend to use more adult language with kids. Uh, and so they, they learn sy uh, syntax and grammar and, 
and how to put sentences together more quickly whenever mom and dad are present teaching kids to speak. Like, and I already gave the example about faith that, you know, when, when moms are spiritual and when moms are religious, kids tend to learn that faith is a private and personal matter. Whereas when dads are involved, they tend to see it as a, a public and, and uh, you know, outward expression as well. So, you know, it, it's, there's a complementary relationship between fathers and mothers where both mothers and fathers bring something unique to the table. And I think that, you know, it's not, although it's not politically correct to say any of those things, the science is there to back it up. I mean, you know, and, and, um, and I think as Catholics, especially, we, we have a real opportunity to witness to that complementary difference uh, and, and the, the unique gifts that men and women bring to children. That is something that I, I, I just constantly see, like, as a new dad, too, that, like, you know, my, my wife and I, we, we both do things very differently. <laughs> and, like, you know, it's just, it doesn't, it's, it's common sense, you know, but I think today we have, we've, we have thrown some common sense out the window, but, you know, the science about this stuff is, is there, you know, it's right. Even like, yeah, I never even thought about like the more baby talk thing. I, I have realized when my, my wife does more of that than I do, but I do baby talk as well. So, so well, you know, another example is, you know, okay. So, um, you know, my, my wife can nurse our children, right. And, and she can comfort them that way and use her body in a very unique way. I'm never going to learn to lactate. They're not going to happen. No matter how much my wife might want me to, it's just not going to work. But you and I both have, you know, facial hair, right? We both have beards and mustaches. And I can get up under my kids, you know, chins when they were babies and go, you know, and, and, and tickle them with my my beard. My wife doesn't have a beard, right? Uh, <laughs> and and you know, so we have, we can use our bodies in different ways. I can, I have better body, upper body strength. I can toss my kids up in the air, maybe even sometimes catch them. Uh, you know, my, my wife, not so much, but, but we use our bodies in different ways to nurture uh, and by bringing all of ourselves both mothers and fathers bringing all of ourselves to that nurturing equation together we're more able to be icons of God's nurturance for us because you know God reveals himself to us as, as male but but within him you know he he made us ma- male and female in his image right? right and so all the qualities that make us human come from him and he the, creates our bodies to reflect those different aspects of, of himself. Oh, well, that's a great segue. So getting back into the sacred right now. Um, so we're talking about fathers because of the year of St. Joseph mm-hmm. and uh, Pope Francis, Pope Francis asking us to reflect on him. So I wanted to know if you could help us reflect on any specific examples of St. Joseph's fatherhood, foster fatherhood of Jesus and how men today can, can use those lessons in our own fatherhood. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that, that strikes me, I mean, you know, there's not a lot that's actually known about St. Joseph. He's a bit of a Rorschach test in some ways. But the, but the one thing that scripture really does show is his, his meekness. Now, what I, what I, I want to explain this because, again, one of the beatitudes, blessed are the meek, right? And we have a tendency to think that meek means milk toast, means wishy-washy. Um, it doesn't actually mean any of those things. Meekness comes from a Greek word as I understand it, that uh, I won't attempt to pronounce it, but, but it's, a, it's a Greek word that's an adjective that describes a well-trained war horse. So a war horse uh, that is not easily spooked in battle and responds well to its rider's commands. So when you think about St. Joseph in that context, you know, he has a dream. The angel comes to him and says, you know, don't divorce Mary, right? He, the angel comes to him and says, go to Egypt. He goes, you know, he, he, he is that well-trained war horse who is ready for God's command and ready to move at a moment's notice to do what God needs him to do. 
he's not easily spooked by the challenges in front of him. God says, do it. He does it. And, and, uh, you know, blessed are the dads. So in be a dad too, as I talk about blessed are the dads who, who are meek, um, you know, for they shall inherit the land. The, the idea being that, that, you know, in addition to being poor in spirit and acknowledging that I don't know what I'm doing, the, the, the reverse of that is, and I know that God does. And so I want to train myself to be receptive to, to God who is in command of me, who is kind of, if you will, you know, riding the horse, if you will. Right. And, and I, I want to be able to, to not be spooked by all the things I don't know and all the things that are coming at me. Uh, and I want to be able to move where God says to move and jump when he says to jump. And, and, uh, and that meekness allows me to do that. It's not, again, it's not being wishy-washy. It's not being milk toast. It's not being, you know, saying yes, dear, all the time. It's, 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 it's about opening up my heart and being receptive. And I think St. Joseph was a perfect model of that receptivity and that, that kind of strong meekness that allowed him to protect his family, you know, to stand up for his family, love his family. I love that. I've actually never heard of uh, meekness described as that, but I think that's a great mental image for, for men to come back to, you know, being meek as a war horse, you know, because I grew up in a horse farm, so I completely understand. (laughs) Yeah. I completely understand that picture of like, yeah, like you want the horse that is strong and steady and calm that can go through anything. You don't want the horse that's going to fly off the handle and freak out over every little spook. Although those horses to themselves think that they're they're like the big horse, you know, in the stable, but they're really not. Like they're they're like the worst ones. So uh, yeah, that's a great that's a great mental picture, and I think it's a great way of uh, looking at Saint Joseph. Yeah, that's really nice. Well, Doctor Greg, I thank you so much for being here with us and and talking about all of this. Is there anything else that you want to leave our our, our listeners with today? If they, where they can find you. Uh, yeah. Just to get in contact. Well, I mean, if, if, if listeners enjoyed the reflections that I, I shared with uh, you all today, um, I'd really encourage you to pick up a copy of Beatitudes, Eight Ways to Be an Awesome Dad, because I just really unpack each of the Beatitudes in the light of, of God's fatherhood and what we as Catholic men can learn from that. And each chapter talks about, you know, kind of first of all, our relationship as son of the father, uh, then our relationship as husband to our wife, and then relationship as father to our children, and, and what, what the, each beatitude can teach us about those three roles that we have all the time. And uh, if folks would like to learn more about that book uh, or the, our other counseling work, they can go to catholiccounselors.com, and that's catholiccounselors.com, and check out the title there and check out more about our counseling practice and all of our other ministries as well. Awesome. Dr. Fabcheck, till next time. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Alex. If you're interested in the renewal of Catholic family life, check out Dr. Greg and Lisa's work with the Peyton Institute for Domestic Church Life, an initiative of Holy Cross Family Ministries and the Pastoral Solutions Institute. The Peyton Institute conducts ongoing research, resource development, and professional trainings in support of family spirituality and well-being. You can learn more about the Peyton Institute and get involved at PeytonFamilyInstitute.org. Till next time on The Lampstand. Take care and God bless.